from the heart of the South Australian suburbs <laughs> is living in the past. Uh, hey, hang on, there's a burnout coming. I can sense it. There's a yeah. No, wait. Yeah. No. Oh. Oh, no. Uh, we are recording outside again. Uh, this is Living in the Past, a mini episode for this week. Uh, we are going through the top 20 movies and top 20 albums of 1990 um, and just uh, sharing our thoughts on them. Um, some of these we're watching for the first time and listening to them for the first time. Uh, if you hear some birds tweeting in the background, it is because, yeah, we're recording outside. and That's what getting, birds do. It's getting to the uh, the burnout time of night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, going into our movies, we also we always have some theme songs done by the wonderful Andrew Golding, and uh, here's one of them. Nice. <laughs> he is pretty good. Yes. I have I have to say, he is. Doesn't uh, doesn't make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a competition. <laughs> yes, it is. He's winning. Uh. I don't think I've ever seen more beautiful people in starring roles than in Flatliners. They are, are you some, sure? They are pretty, pretty. They're very pretty. Even Oliver Platt is pretty in that movie. Well, Oliver Platt's been pretty in everything he's done. I love Oliver Platt. Kiefer looks like a Cabbage Patch baby. He does. He looks like um, uh, a ten-year-old that's got like um, another kid underneath him, and he's in a yeah. he's in a long coat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he's, he's got full baby face. Ooh. Hello. Uh, we have also... <laughs> I hope that dog bite doesn't come up at all and it's just you randomly going, hello. I <laughs> know, oh, you can hear that. Uh, yeah, this movie, I had never seen this movie before. You found a Baldwin attractive? No, well, okay. Like, Sorry, just getting back to not, the as, aesthetics of the film. Not for me, but like they're, they're all pretty, they will be all considered pretty people. Like, they were... Their skin was amazing. You could see how good their skin was just from... Well, Kiefer was a baby, so of course his skin was... <laughs> I'm not fresh. sure about Kiefer. Do you like Kiefer? Are you pro-Kiefer? No, not really. You're pro-Kiefer or anti No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not anti, but I'm not... He's I loved done... 24 when it came out. Everything else... Uh, I where's your dad? I find it hard <laughs> not to remember him as the... Um, I'm not sure if he was part of the clan, but he was a, in, in the... The civil rights movie um, with Samuel Jackson. Uh, yes, I killed him. In... Ghost of Mississippi. No, no, it's not Ghost of Mississippi. It's not Mississippi Burning. It is the one Michael McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey's in it. Oliver Platt's in it. Donald Sutherland's in it. We are gonna vamp while I look up this movie. How, how painful think... is this for you right now that you can't? Think... I can so see it. I I know. I can see the front. Ah, oh, Dancing with the Wolves, right? <laughs> Is that it? Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they die. They hope they burn in hell. Uh, key. Is that why you uh, say it's a good day to die at the start of this film? Ah, oh. did you enjoy that it's moment? Weird, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to say, like in the first line of the film. Like it's like, and I know uh, that's a plane, by the way. Plane, and I know or poor stomach. Well, there's two planes. <laughs> this is plane watch. <laughs> Apparently, we're now in a light aeroplane path here, uh, and that's okay. Still looking for that. I really want to yell at you like Garth right now, <laughs> but I don't think the planes are loud enough. <laughs> Takes a doctor to pull it out. <laughs> Wash your, kiss your mother with that mouth. Oh, come on. A oh, time to kill. Ah, oh, I did not know that. Come one. on. I didn't know that was. Come on. 
Um, yeah, so you, like his character from A Time to Kill and also his character from Freeway makes this very... It's like James Woods. It makes I mean, he's got a bunch of other stuff that makes me hate him, but like they just play characters and make it very hard to disassociate them from any other character they play. Right. Like if Wait, they play a bunch of bad dudes, if you see him in this one where he's not actually that bad a dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, like even in um, 24, like... I just couldn't disassociate with him from like the the awful characters he's played before. You know, aside from Lost Boys, which I don't even know if I've seen, I can't think of anything he's done. Really? Yeah. Uh, he was he in, in Stand by Me. He was in Stand by Me. He, yes. Uh, one point to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one that steals the dude's New York Yankees cap. And yeah. He's yeah. He's I've, I've seen him around. Uh, he's in Phone Booth. Oh, was I supposed to remember that film? <laughs> he is Pardon in. Me. Uh, he's in stuff, all right. I'm sure he stuff. is. That's why it was such a uh, drama when he fell off the wagon. He's in. He's in Flatliners. So apparently both. Oh, oh they a, did a remake. Is that a didn't spoiler? They? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did a remake uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I remember when it came out. I was like, ah, oh, why? But then it's like, yeah. I shouldn't have said that because I've never seen the original. So, um, there. So, the, if you've never seen it, it's about a bunch of med students who all live in amazing houses. They're still students. Are they? They're all students. And like, no, they, but are they amazing houses? Oh, no. Like, they, they all seem to have, like, Keith Sutherland's house is like. I mean, it's pretty cool, but it also looks like he's squatting because there's no furniture in there. There's just that one bed. There's one bed. And he's got cool lighting. Did you think that the uh, the set design was like an eighties music rock set music video? Like it's like especially outside, very like, grungy, bit grungy, but like there's also very wistful. Like there's always like a like a curtain blowing, and like it's like it's all kind of like it actually. I mean, maybe they were trying to make like a dreamscape or something. But then outside sense. of the art museum, you know the one that he goes to, like there's there's the art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside yes. that, it looks like it looks like a wasteland. There's like um, there's like uh, bollards and like um, like the roads kind of dug up, and it's never really explained why it's like that. Yeah. And I just like every time I was like, is this supposed to be trying to sort of like, or are, are we? Is he actually dead? And he's, he's like, this is this is this is his death. Experience. I feel like there must be some sort of symbolism there with you know the well, awake Schumer, life and the Joel clean Schumer life. Joel made it, and like he's, you know, he does like to sort of dress things up a bit. Like he's, I don't like, <laughs> I do like him, and I don't like him. There's a lot of movies that he's made that I don't like. Um, this one was not too bad though. I was surprised about how much I thought it was going to be real. Was it too long? Uh maybe like twenty minutes. Yeah. So yes, it was too long. <laughs> um, William Baldwin uh, just—he's just—he's just horrible. <laughs> I love the fact that he gets no redemption for what he did. No. Nah. Um, just uh, to ruin it for everyone, uh, everyone did something terrible in their lives, yeah. and they have to go into their death thing to try and like make up for what they did and redeem themselves. Uh, Mr. Baldwin cheated on his fiance with endless women, filmed it all without them knowing. Was just the biggest dirtbag you would meet. He gets no redemption at all. No. And and then they just forget that it happened. They just move on past him and oh, he, he can live his life. He's fine. He, um, it actually works well. Like, I mean, if they had, if they had made, it's kind of like, in a way, 
final destination-y, like... Yeah, I got that kind of vibe. Even, like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street sort of thing. Like, it's, like, it's got that sort of, like, blurring the lines between, um, like, your dream world and, like, your, your actual world. Like, when he starts seeing, like, he's watching TV and, like, he's seeing, like, his sex camera. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, like, I really liked, because um, I just watched Chef recently, because Chef is my happy oh, movie. I get a Chef. I watch that movie at least like five times a year. I've only seen it once and I don't want to watch it again in case I don't love it as much. I love but it so how much. could you not love it as much? Um so I just and Oliver Platt's in that and seeing him like he he's like in both movies he, he crushes it. And it's just Is he um, also exactly the same person? <laughs> no, nah, he's very he's got the baby face in, in Flatliners. Yeah, but does he do the exact same role? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But he's so good at it. He yeah. One of my favourite roles he ever did was in Lake Placid. He's so miscast, but he just eats it up and it's just amazing. I, I actually really like this movie. I, I'm going to give it... Well, before um, we start, um, I don't know how this hasn't come up yet, but you mentioned everyone being so beautiful that the ugliest man alive is in this film. <laughs> who? Mr. Bacon. Oh, Mr. Bacon. I completely even forgot about the looks, bacon. Even he looks no. pretty. No, he looks like uh, his skin is amazing in this movie. He looks like he's had so much botched surgery already. Um, I, oh, and his hair. But And he's supposed to be like the voice of reason in this movie. That's the thing that I found the most weird thing. Cause yeah. Like, Kevin Bacon, for me, he, he'll always be the dude from Sleepers. Uh, yep. And um, this is around the time that he was also in Tremors. And... I've said this before, I think, on this one and on this podcast and a couple other ones. Like, I I don't know how I feel about him because he he does do roles really well, but like, I don't know whether I I, I can't chant, I can't cheer for him in a film because like I always feel like he's gonna like be you know who's gonna find out he's, he's a bad guy. Like yeah. everything he's been doing has been for like for some sort of sordid reason. I don't know. Yeah, and I kind of got that vibe like he was. Swooning over Julia so much, like you're just gonna turn out to be a scumbag, like the Baldwin and the oh everyone God. else. How much does she cop it? Like her character, I know, like just for being female and like in this, this just dude let world. her die. But it's like, but even like you know, um, the first interaction that she has with William Baldwin's character is just awful because they're pointing out stuff in like a deceased naked body, mm. and then he like pulls down the pants. He's like, oh, you know, look at and that. Then, when Kiefer goes under, it's like a little kiss goodbye. Like, yeah, yeah. And then, like, is there supposed to be backstory there that, that they date and we Kevin don't know? Kevin Bacon and like she runs out of the diner and Kevin Bacon's like, oh, um, do you want me to walk you home? And she's like, no, I got it. And he's just like, oh, like you just had an argument. Did you think you were going to walk home and like, you know, get someone? It's just like, um, and I think I read a couple of articles and I haven't seen the new one, but apparently one of the things they really went for in it was to like to change that the gender, like the there's more females in it and it's like more balanced because this one is like, it's a dude film. The running theme of the 90s is like men do everything great and women need men around. And for, to, 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 to be honest, in this in a movie like this that has like a lot of emotion and a lot of, I'm not saying men can't can't do that well, um, I think it, it should have been 50-50, like female and male uh, actors in this because it would have just given it way more... Uh, realness and I would it would it would have it would have it would have sold it to me better if, if there was like more female characters or if there was no Bacon Baldwin or Sutherland, <laughs> just Roberts and Platt. Has that for a duo name? I think I'm still pro Kiefer. Yeah, I'm not sure. The other movie 
was born on the 4th of July, which I'm going to outwardly say that I did not watch because I, just, uh. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I just don't. I After Dances with Wolves and like I had to watch a bunch of other stuff and I'm like, I, just, I couldn't fit it in. I couldn't do it. I don't have two hours and 45 minutes. So did, You had four hours for Dances with Wolves. <laughs> if I could watch two movies at the same time, which would make my life like way easier... Okay. So, well, how you do you tell me? Tell me a story. Tell me about Bourne on the Fourth of July. About Jason Bourne. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Love to talk about Jason Bourne. Um, okay, so two thousand and four. The one thing that I wrote down about this film, which I realise is probably a bit insensitive, and I apologise, but it feels—I just won't say the word. Um, it's all over the place. Like it is all the time. I don't care who it is. So that's that's his thing. Like he 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 just goes on tangents. It's not the tangent. It's the fact he's he's so for it. He's so against it. He's so for it. He's so against it. Like, how am I supposed to trust and believe in this guy and what he's fighting for? Mm. Did you get it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he's like he's changing his mind like every new chapter of the film. Okay. Is it- I just, I couldn't get on board with it. It was good, and I was watching it and. I heard his performance is amazing. I don't want to be a Tom Cruise fan. I don't read enough about him or care enough about his life. I know he's not a very good human being, but, but man, just about every film I've seen him in, I really like it. Collateral. I haven't seen that. Uh, <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow? I haven't seen that either. Really? That's, <laughs> that's, that's like Groundhog Day like, explosions. Jerry Maguire is amazing. I didn't see that. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, Cuba the best um like the mission impossibles i loved growing up oh we watched the third one recently um because i went on a philip seymour hoffman thing and um yeah that that one's probably my favorite i didn't care for the second one that's the worst one the third one yeah it just seems so i think lighting in a film does a lot for me and it's kind of dull and like it's not yeah Wait. I think because I filmed a lot of it in Sydney when it was cloudy, I'm like, where's the sun? Wait till it's we get crazy. to it. Yeah. Wait, wait in about six years when we get to the 2000 and whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'll hang around that long. <laughs> I don't love Tom Cruise that much. We've got, we've got a lot of Cruise to get through. But, like, he's not my favourite actor, but, like, Valkyrie, I, I shouldn't like. But it's quite good, and he's quite good. Like, he does his thing well. Everyone was complaining about that. It's like, oh, they're not even doing the accents. I'm like, would you have watched it if they did the accents? Like, would you have, like, taken it? If, like, he comes in and it's like, hello! But what's the point of doing the accent if you're not speaking in the language as well? Exactly. It's just, you'd just be doing really crap, like, yeah. impersonations. Of and they're not people. the first to do it. <laughs> I don't know if people heard recently about uh, Hunt for Red October. Yet. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, he is really good in the film. It is a good film. Um... But yeah, I just I couldn't get on board with like he's he's in the war and he's so into the war and then he still he comes home and he's like fuck you guys I was in the war and he's like hey fuck the war like what <laughs> and then he's on the news for fighting I don't know yeah it's one of those ones like and I've tried to be a completist with Oliver Stone but like there's still a couple ones I, I've never watched um, World Trade Center and I've never watched um this one that was Oliver Stone yeah oh, that's disappointing um. Next season, we've got The Doors. Dinky Birds. And JFK coming up. So, I want to watch The Doors because I want to see Billy Idol's bit. <laughs> uh, so, let's go on to music. So, we have 
starting off Can't Fight Fate by Taylor Dane, the singer that I thought was Whitney Houston. <laughs> uh, it was released on October 7th, 1989. It had a bunch of signals it sing, signals had a bunch of singles it went two time platinum in America uh, you would know when did she disappear that's what I'm interested to know in my heart never did you even know who she was before Shh, okay. just listen to her <laughs> let's do it again and then we got it is, that was a nice intro to be yeah. fair but we'll, we'll skip ahead because like Funny fact, I thought this was Shakira. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. I gotta say... I went... I don't think I went on a rant earlier about a 90s pop. Yeah. Like, Paula Abdul I could not get into, but that... I guess it's it's just so much more fun. It is. I can get on board with that. It is, um... The Nas. It Who is, doesn't like is, a Nas? It is very much like... Unless it's ACDC. Suburban mum, like, doing the... <laughs> doing the shopping. Doing the kids' pick-up. Maybe not mum, but dad as well. But, like, yeah, it's just got that... You know, like, there'll be a lot of, like, uh, singing in cars to this. Um, oh, definitely. That's... That's yeah. primo carpool karaoke. <laughs> we are being eaten alive out here. Um, Can I just mention uh, when I asked when she disappeared? She had a single out in July of this year. I saw that. Taylor Dane is back. Or is this Shakira? <laughs> she has got I the Shakira type of sound, so. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll, like maybe at some point I'll, I will do like a bit of a deep dive on her because like she's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that she's done. She seems worthy of a dive. Yeah. That's... That wasn't supposed to be rude. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It actually wasn't. Hey, clean it up. Uh, we also had... This is so indicative of Australia. Uh, like last episode, me episode when we said about um, soundtracks from TV shows that people thought was interesting was a thing. Like you had to buy it. Best ofs, and this is coming from someone who worked in a, a CD shop. People buying best ofs is just like that's what they should. Bands should just release best ofs because that's what everyone wants. I mean, they release it. People are going to buy it. It seems odd that they're in the top twenty, but. I guess it makes sense at the same time. It's a best of. But I suppose... Who wouldn't buy it? Yeah, and I, I, like, I guess that's why... Um, I would love to actually sort of do a bit of a research on the first best of. And the when, very first. When like a record company said, like, hey, they haven't got a new album in the works, but can we just like release a bunch of the good songs off all the other albums? I feel like in the early days, that's all music was. They just took, like, everyone covered each other's songs... And well, put out to do best like, of. Um, a bunch of EPs and then just collate the sort of EPs. Um, I'm going to just Google uh, the. Because everything back in like the 40s and 50s was just compilation albums. So they would get all these different acts and groups and pick out their best songs and put yeah. it out because no one could put out their own albums. I'm pretty sure. I'm kind of just winging it here. Paul's on his phone, so I'm just making up as I go along. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're talking. <laughs> So uh, uh, Johnny Mathis's greatest hits was in 1958 was the first example of a greatest hits album. The album collected eight of his charting singles as well as three non-charting B-sides, which is what remember how like 
because that's what how you get. So it's ingenious how they did it. So like you get <laughs> teach us, Papa Paul. You get um, people buying it because they don't want to have to go through. They don't have to buy the every single album. So like, oh, it's just gets all singles. But they're like, how do we get the people who are like diehard fans to it? Oh, let's put like three live tracks or like yeah. b-sides on it and that's how you get everyone buying it like it's just so ingenious that i just you have to take your hat off to them also for those artists who are like i really like this song but it didn't fit in anywhere but i want it to get some light and people to hear it I so believe- like this is a bit of like pumping myself up yeah like remember um and i don't like him but sort of squeeze was like by Real Chili Peppers was like it's the track for the Coneheads movie but like it's one of their best songs yeah they finish on it most nights oh do they? yeah okay um, like yeah. it's one of those like I, it's hard to think of bands as having like cult songs like a cult movie but like a lot of bands have that song that was never a big hit but yeah it just goes crazy live and we say all this because I don't think I actually said why we're talking about best of no, albums no you didn't uh, <laughs> Elton John best of was uh, uh, excuse me the very, the very best of Elton John, which <laughs> uh, leads me to my first point. Tiny Dancer isn't on here. Tony Danza's not. <laughs> Tony Danza and John Stamos. <laughs> um, his song "Tiny Dancer" is not on the best of. I wonder why. I mean, is that like a right thing? Like maybe because I know that sometimes it's they if they jump ship to another record company, they're like, "This is all stuff from a certain record company." Uh, I don't know, because it says it's from 70 to 90. And Tiny Dance came out, I think, in 71 from what I looked at earlier. Yeah. Does it say why it's not on there? I, I couldn't be bothered looking that much into it. There are so there were some B-sides. Uh. There's also two covers, which I find a bit weird. It's... If it's the very best of Elton John, why is he putting other people's songs on there? Yeah. So you had... um. I mean, it's, it's it's comprehensive. It is a it is a very good best of. I remember one of my favorite like record like vinyl records as a kid was there was a three vinyl um, Billy Joel greatest hits. It's like it's like gray, like a like a black and white cover. Yep. And um, I played it like heaps. Like I was a huge Billy Joel, still am. <laughs> and. <laughs> So I, I suppose, like, um, for me, the Greatest Hits albums is a, is a good way to, you know, get into someone. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, oh, this is, like, um, all their career. And I think it was up until Stormfront, so I didn't have We Didn't Start the Fire, which I hated because I really like We Didn't Start the Fire, but that's another story for another time. I also <laughs> feel there's an issue with Best Ofs where, like, it gives you all their best songs. You're like, man, like, I start off with Simon Garfunkel that way. Yeah. But it took me years to actually enjoy their albums because, like, these aren't as good as their best of songs. But then these other songs, they suck. But then you get you get those the best ofs that it's like twelve songs, and then like you miss stuff like um, like My Little Town and Vincent Song Garfunkel's fate. Like I didn't think Elton John would miss out because uh, his very best of has thirty tracks. It's a lot of tracks, but excluding Tiny Dancer and there's two covers, so. I also feel he's kind of padded it a little bit. He probably could have got it in one CD or one record. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, back then, in Australian money, the yeah. double CD would have been like 30 bucks. Actually, was it? Oh, yeah, there was CDs. It's 1990. That would have retailed definitely for 30 being a CD. Yeah. So, like, 
and it, made, it, it was another 15, 20. He got number, yeah. number 15 on the charts. Like, that's amazing. So, so that is our uh, mini episode for this week. Uh, also, I'll give that a release four out of five tiny dancers. <laughs> I give it two tiny dancers. Um, <laughs> I give Taylor Dane. Uh, Keep it clean. A lot of praise. <laughs> give us some praise. Some, some would say too much praise. Best of luck with your comeback, Taylor. Yes. I know she's listening. <laughs> she Google searches like <laughs> it's in the algorithm. Maybe that, maybe when after COVID, like her and Taylor Swift can do like Taylor too, and Taylor. Too much. No. <gasps> with James Taylor opening. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. And then Taylor Hanson as a backup. From the Hansons? Yeah. yeah. And then Taylor Hawkins can be drummer. Whew. And then This is a very Tay heavy. Wilson Phillips. <laughs> no, you got another Taylor. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't uh, realize what the the scheme was here. Uh, that's it. And then Mark Taylor can announce. <laughs> no, ah, <laughs> oh, you've ruined it. Hey, everyone, this <sighs> is uh, this is Mark Taylor, and you know we're going to listen to some music. Want to buy some aircon? Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, that was a very <laughs> Australian reference to a cricketer, also known as uh, is it Chubbs? They called him. <laughs> No, Tubby. Yeah, Tubby. Don't, 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 don't fat shame him. Oh, I'm not. That was just his nickname. Yeah. Uh, he was actually my favourite cricketer growing up. Oh, Because I was a left-handed batsman and he was left-handed and I I tried, I actually even got my dad to buy the same bat, same brand as bat as he got, as he used. Wait, you tried to get your dad to? He didn't do it? No, he did. Oh, okay. How'd yeah. that work out? Uh, I used it for another year, then quit sports. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's what a shock in, ending it's, it's, it's still in my wardrobe I'm going to pass it on down to my kids so they can quit it <laughs> hopefully someone goes on to sell some aircon and make a lot of money <laughs> alright uh, we will see you next week uh, thanks for stopping by bye everyone And that is another mini episode done and dusted. And that's also us done for the year of 2020. Uh, going to take a short break and we'll be back on January 7th for our June episode. Just want to say thanks so much for all the support. Thanks for all the downloads. We've been really blown away about how well this has been received and uh, all the kind words that people have sent through to us. Let's stay safe. Let's enjoy the time with our family and friends if you can't see family and friends call someone take care of yourself let's get through this i think there's a definitely a light at the end of the tunnel of all the stuff that's been going on this year and uh yeah let's just take care of each other and get through as always wanted to say thank you to andrew golding for giving us the music for this episode you can check his stuff out at www.antigold.bandcamp.com Rebecca Sheedy does our artwork. You can check her stuff out at Mild Scribbling on Instagram. You can send an email to us at livinginthepastpod at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Instagram. Follow me, PD Lumsden, on Letterboxd, and you can see all the movies that we've been watching and uh, get in the conversation there. You can look up the music that we've been talking about on Spotify by just looking up living the past podcast and then the month that you want to listen to and just as a little hint maybe just keep your eye out for a uh a little christmas present from us to you maybe in the next week or so um 
until then, as I said before, have a safe holidays, and we'll 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 see you again next year. Sit back, look back, relax. Thanks, everyone. Just one more thing at the end here. We created this podcast as a ways of uh, coping with a tragedy that happened in our lives in an already pretty tragic year. Um, it was a way to sort of keep our minds busy, to to process what happened and to try and get ourselves right again. If I can just implore you that if you're feeling lonely... If you're feeling hopeless or anything, especially during this time of year, which I know is hard for a lot of us, please seek help. Uh, Call up your local mental health hotline. uh, Reach out to a friend. Reach out to family. I I understand it's a tough time. Um, Find some ways to to deal with grief and and to deal with tragedy. It's... uh, it's a long road, but it's one that we can all help each other out on. Thank you, and I'll see you again next year.